Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Azumanga Dio of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. Varg Vikernes Rizzed Up Baby Gronk. What does that mean? It's a, it's a, it's a long story. It, it belongs on the internet. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Singaporean Shell Company Explosion. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> There's so many possibilities unfurl from there. Um, okay, so uh, we, we've got we got an episode for you. Uh, this is going to be a Terminus Light. Uh, the black metal guy is uh, out for a trip right now, so our time's a little bit limited. We've, we've started playing a little bit with the contours of these episodes. You know, we've been doing some longer stuff recently, some shorter stuff. We're just kind of bouncing around based off what there is to talk about and what the circumstances are. Because if there was anything Terminus had an excess of, it was consistency and stability in scheduling and format. So... <laughs> um. Did you have anything? You know, though, for that? considering the sheer amount of content we put out, I'd say we're pretty consistent. Right? Yeah, that that is fair. We we, we put uh, a lot out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and every time we do this, we always big up ourselves talking about how much we put out there. It's, you you can tell how good we are based on how much we talk about it. We're saints, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone says so, right? The biggest. the biggest the biggest metal podcast the most beautiful one um (laughs) all right so uh we just got a couple records to talk about today but obviously um not music related but has to be mentioned uh rest in power to uncles ted kaczynski and cormac mccarthy um dying within a week of each other and I feel like it goes without saying that both of those figures are just inherently terminus things that <laughs> our mm-hmm. our listener base are uh, especially uh, fixated on. Um, so yeah, just wanted to uh, give the shout out and the uh, moment of not silence. But I'll I'll do what I did the last time we did a memorial thing. I will uh, I will play uh, Anal Cunts uh, Forty Reasons to Hate Us uh, sped up. Uh, for uh, five seconds. Thank you. I think that both of those men would appreciate that as a tribute. Hey, all. This is Brandon from Cromlech, and you're listening to Terminus. All right, guys. Uh, it's it's been a little bit since I've uh, last tortured you with a really extreme, brutal death record. So uh, before you immediately shoot to the second half of our episode, let me promise you, uh, this is a really cool one because it sounds like uh, falling down the stairs for half an hour, but it's like a a crazy MC Escher set of stairs. Uh, This is the second self-titled full length by Cadaverosity. Uh, this is an independent digital release, and it also seems to be coming out on Earsturbation Records, which is like a newer Brutal Death label, I believe. Um, Cadaverosity was not a band that I was familiar with before I encountered this record. Uh, they are an Indonesian kind of grinding Brutal Death Metal band. But I got turned on to it because uh, Paul Wok from Thailand uh, is the current drummer. Uh, we covered him on uh, my mini review of the Smallpox Aroma record that just came out. He's 
almost without question probably top five drummers in metal period in the world right now and he is uh he is used to his fullest on this record um so not being familiar with Cadaverosity prior, I didn't really know what to expect, although I got kind of clued in by the really cool abstract cover art, which is just this sort of um, rotating red and black smear, but you can see like hands and claws or maybe faces in the detailing. Uh, it's very strange. It, it, it strikes me a lot as... Uh, being something like uh, Incenothrac would use, which makes sense because this band actually sounds a fair amount like Incenothrac. Um, this is hyper-brutal death metal, definitely cut from the sort of new standard elite uh, vein, um, clearly influenced by stuff like Enmity and uh, I think, yeah, probably Incenothrac directly. Uh it is extremely technical, extremely fast, and extremely withering, but unlike a lot of the Brutal Death that we've covered, that we'd use those adjectives for, this feels different in that it's extremely liquid and organic. It's not as mechanical as a lot of the stuff that we like to cover on the show. And I just really fell in love with this thing because it's just, in, in terms of sheer you know, extremity arms race, this has to be carving out a niche of its own, at least in terms of sheer aggression. Uh, so with that being said, as usual, let's kick it over to the black metal guy. Uh, what, what did you think about this latest sojourn into the darkest realms? Well, um, I think it's, um, I think it's like, uh, it's funny you say we, we don't usually cover the more, or we cover the more mechanical stuff normally, but you know that's that's your taste, right? I tend to prefer the stuff that has a bit more of an organic streaming sound, right? So this is right up my alley, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I mean I suppose really that just puts it at a little bit of a distance from a lot of other brutal death stuff, which leans towards that towards that more mechanistic production and performance. Um, you know, someone in the comments is saying, oh, now this is really brutal, right? It sounds like Ensenothrak and Impetuous Ritual, who we reviewed, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is... Uh, I, I definitely think this is very cool, and it is much closer to war metal, in the same way that something like... It's much closer to Impetuous Ritual war metal. Um, it also sounds a lot like if you took... Uh, antediluvian songs, sped them up four times and added more palm mutes, which I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I think this is a really great time to discuss the relationship between those styles, because I mean, that's a, that's a thing that really you and I have repeatedly said about some of the modern war metal stuff, which is that, in a big sense, it sounds like brutal death already. Um, we were commenting on that when we covered the latest Impetuous Ritual record, which just has sort of direct brutal death technique, but isn't perceived in that way. And now we have a brutal death band that is clearly very deliberately courting the same sort of aesthetic values, but coming from brutal death metal directly. And, uh, it's just it's it's very interesting to me to see sort of the same fundamental musical techniques perceived in completely different ways by different sections of the metal audience. 
I guess also the common th- the common root for brutal death and war metal, right? D- it, despite the other very different influences, would be grindcore. Yeah, and uh, this is certainly a record that is just like one long grind. Um, it's uh, the you know the sheer density of it and lack of breathing space is astonishing. There basically are almost no parts to hook your ears into. And there, it's almost all blast beats. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and but it's kind of amazing how many different kinds of blast beats he manages to yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's the Pollock thing. Yeah, there's tons of different kind, different tempos and inflections, and uh, yeah, I guess just yeah, rhythmic variation in the blasting for sure. Yeah, I think that there's a, a very solid chance that this is probably directly inspired by stuff like impetuous ritual and grave upheaval. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you combine some of those aesthetic values with more of like a last days of humanity, technical presentation, and you end up with something really interesting. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about the idea of these sort of high art, brutal death records. Um, And, you know, this is the latest in a series of them that really makes uh, a substantial argument for this being a sort of abstract art music. Um, so it, it, it's kind of hard to go any further without showing people what this sounds like. So, um, we're going to be a little bit different on samples this time. Uh, I'm just going to play, uh, a full song, uh, and then the black metal guy has some things that he wants to point out later. Uh, because I think that like, it's important to hear one of these compositions in full, uh, this can't really be sampled. I mean, this is an album made of extremely homogenous material and deliberately so, but I think it's important to be able to see the edges of it, where it begins and ends and sort of how these songs contort and flow in and out of themselves in this really exciting and novel way. So I'm going to go to a track called, uh, this is me almost certainly butchering Javanese. Forgive me. Uh, Utepi Basu Napistum. So let's just listen to that. Wait, wait, were you saying butchering what? Uh, Javanese. These guys are from West Java. I think this is Sumerian. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I would have no idea. (laughs) It could totally be plausibly uh, either to me. Well, track track five is called Parzilu Anunnaki. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Um, that that could be. Or like, you know, the Anunnaki, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. As as um and um. The other track titles like Ina La Umisu Emuk with a U C or U K U Q. Gosh, I'm retarded. Right now. <laughs> um, like I, I think it might all be in uh, Sumerian, but who the fuck knows? Yeah, no, it's a, it's <laughs> that is uh, that is extremely plausible. Both of those are very plausible to me, so I'll go with Sumerian in that case. So let's listen to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, gu- well, guys, we've narrowed it down. It's either Indonesian or ancient Sumerian. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're sister languages, basically. It's like mm-hmm. it's like Spanish and Italian. <laughs> so let's listen to Utebibasu Napistoma. We're just going to listen to this whole track, and then we'll start to dig into some of the aesthetic values here.
Okay, so uh, I I, want to say a couple things. One, I am, as is pretty obvious, a seasoned brutal death listener. And I still think this is like possibly one of the most intense things I've ever heard. Uh, There is something about the way this band moves. I don't know if it's just like the sheer speed. I mean, I'm thinking that the vast majority of this record has to be well above the 300 BPM mark. I know the pole walk is able to blast somewhere toward 340. And it sounds like they're engineering the fucking record around that ability. Um, this this whole album, just for a half hour, has some of the most witheringly intense stuff I've ever experienced. And probably a lot of that owes to the production, which is just like a, a granite wall exploding. Uh, it, it's, it, it's so loud and redlined, but it's got enough depth of timbre to make you want to turn it up even louder. Like, the, the clearly, the ideal way to experience this album is out of a massive set of speakers at the pain threshold. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that listening to this, we're not even, like, really touch. I'm not even really touching on, like, technical performances or songwriting here because this is really sort of first and foremost a, a weird atmospheric piece, I think. It, it's... The, what's going on instrumentally is, like, almost incalculable just because it's moving so quickly. And a sort of time dilation occurs. You start just thinking about it in terms of like these broad movements of riffs. You know, it's like it's the fastest thing in the world, but you listen to it like it's funeral doom. At least yeah, I do. <laughs> the parts that you latch onto really are the transitions or the dropouts, um, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, it's uh, there is. I know what you mean about it being built around speed. It it frequently outruns the listener. Oh yeah, yeah. If you try to pay attention to the uh, to the riffin, it will it will meet meep and leave you in the dust. Um, yeah, it's um, because the riffs. Are- Riffs has giant quotation marks around it. I, I think there's a, a good chance that, like in Seneth Rock, a lot of this is improv or, or mm-hmm. something like improv, because I, I believe that this record was recorded with all the musicians remote from each other. And it wouldn't, and I would assume that it was written like that as well. So there's a quality of like, it's, into, it's as, it's equally possible that. Any of these songs started with just an isolated drum track or a guitar track or a vocal track and other people just sort of exquisite corpse style added their input and it was basically left untouched from there. That's Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of goes with that idea that we had. We haven't talked about it recently, but that idea that a lot of Brutal Death is now operating more like jazz sessions than bands, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm It's like individual guys participating in all sorts of groups that aren't necessarily intended to function like bands typically do in metal. Um, and this would be a little different because it's a di- if it's a distance project, then it's kind of the opposite of a jazz combo. But you yeah. still have everyone, uh, everyone putting every artist puts in 
But in a way, it makes it even more literal, right? It's every artist just puts in his voice, and that's the final product. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's interesting, because I would have assumed this was performed live. It's so intense. And that might have something to do with the improv that goes into it. Yeah, I could see... I, I could see a lot of these starting as just a guitar or a drum track. I mean, I've seen Paul Walk just improv uh, in videos before, and he's fully capable of, you know, creating a three-minute drum-only composition that really hangs together as a song, even when delivered at this sort of speed and technicality. Um, I think that, um, yeah, really, like, the thing that I have to keep coming back to, it, it's it's almost impossible to pick apart mm, individual songwriting moments just because of the sheer intensity of what's going on. Um, but as a result, you have arrived at a similar place to bands like Impetuous Ritual or Antediluvian at their most aggressive. And I think that that's really sort of a fascinating quality in and of itself for this band, you know, approaching it from a radically different mindset, but arriving at the same destination. It, it hits you with a challenge, kind of like, could you process it all? Yeah, that's I, I've kind of talked about that, where it's like like, uh, like it's, certain it's, kinds of brutal death like requires you to like prepare for it, you know, to yeah, like work your way up. <laughs> it's definitely true that as a kid or whatever, right? You know, when you first hear something like Converge, it's kind of. Um, you don't really know how it's all being done. It's incredibly extreme. There are parts that will just sound like vum, 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 vum. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's true that even then there was stuff that I immediately could get my hooks in. And that was immediately appealing about it. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, uh, at this point, th- I do I find this immediately appealing because it just sounds like fucking noise. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, but like, there is... you wonder like is this one of these kinds of things i can learn to parse by listening to it or not and the fact that for you this still because you're so much more used to this style this also just sounds like noise is pretty crazy oh yeah there's enough of a there there's enough of a there there that one wants to really process it but you just can't yeah it's like uh it's i think it was Jesus Christ on the Metal Archives de- described uh, Enmity's record as um, being almost like a like a magic eye picture, mm-hmm. where you have to sort of unfocus and then the the actual image reveals itself to you. Mm. Um, so Cadaverosity is interesting because I think it is meant to be listened to almost in a sort of meditative state. Like when I get to stuff, when I, when you get to stuff that's like at the speed of orchidectomy or later bands, it's like it ceases to function in the way that quote unquote more normal brutal death does. And, and the cadaverosity record really sort of comes off as just the most high intensity ambient record of all time. (laughs) If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's just, it's exquisite. But you, uh, you you had a track that you wanted to point something out on, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the kind of thing you can latch on to. Um, often when you get moments that sound like pre... The clearest moments are often dropouts and things that sound like pre-mosh, um, pre-mosh breaks in a, in a beatdown song or something. Uh, and 
those are moments where things get a little less dense and you can latch on to some repeated rhythmic figures. Uh, and usually the thing that happens after it actually is something like a breakdown, but it's just happening four times as fast. Um, <laughs> so let's listen to uh, La Sanan Abanascopatu. And we're going to start at uh, about 110, uh, 109, and in, in going into one of these dropout parts. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I love how it ends, right? It sort of stutters, and then the blast beat just keeps going, right? Pollock insists. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's almost like... It, it's, it's almost like they know that by, like, just gesturing at the breakdown, like, that has enough weight. It's like they don't even need to show you what the thing would be. It's just like, in, insert it mentally for yourself you know <laughs> yeah well from about 120 to 150 right you get um there's we get like two real quick stammer dropout moments at the very beginning of the sample one comes in really quick one right after it and those punctuate it and then at about i don't know 120 or 130 um about 20 20 minutes 20 seconds into that sample you get like a a more clearly marked dropout section and then you actually do get a 6-8 chug break it 
it's almost like music. <laughs> yeah, it, you get something that sounds like a bolt thrower part or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then very quickly, right? It's that feeling of the music outracing your ear. Just when you're processing it and starting to groove, it just got hurdles back into blasts. Not really in a spazzy way. It just accelerates. Um, it's like somebody flooring it in a car that has extremely fast acceleration, right? It happens smoothly, just ridiculously fast. Yeah, it's um, the it, it's it's hard to overstate the sheer technical skill on display here from from everybody, um, from from what we can parse of the, the riffs on this record. But uh, yeah. obviously, Paul Two- Walk's performance is insane. Um, Two thirds of the way through the track, you start to hear some um, some death metal riffs. Ooh, <laughs> they're getting a little spicy toward the end of the record. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I also I also want to make mention that um, I really love the vocal performance on this record. Um, there is it, it. It really adds to the atmosphere of this music, which is just so so psychotically and convolutedly bloodthirsty. Uh, yeah, it's you're you're getting eaten by a, a seventh dimensional being or something, but the vocals, like even those like probably inhaled growls, are delivered with so much heat and intensity behind them, and then doubled down with the really slurring gore grind stuff underneath it. It's almost always double tracked, and the tracks are slipping, you know, across each other, and occasionally getting together for big unison moments. Um. I think that's that's really the fundamental thing that sets this record apart from so many other bands that are operating in a similar niche is just like just the the rage in this music, you know, a, a rage so profound and so intense it becomes sort of cold and meditative and I don't know there's a re- there's a real sort of like spooky dark energy that flows through this record for me. It's 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 very, it, it takes a while to figure it out, but then it becomes very sort of uncomfortable to listen to.
All right, we returned from chatting about how the death metal guy has been kicking ass and taking names this year. <laughs> to sink our collective teeth into the big, juicy hamburger that is All Heads Are Gonna Roll by Vomitory. Out now on Metal Blade Records. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so this is a band that I think we bonded over years ago when we were first first hanging out um, mm. like you know more more than 10 years ago uh this was one of those things that i liked that was a uh sort of a respectable death metal deep cut where you're like oh i like vomitory right yeah yeah my uh my chosen album was always a revelation nausea and mm-hmm. uh yeah, I think we did talk about that. It, it is, it is, it's just such a weird band for, like, you back then as a much more precise and dedicated black metal listener. Um, for you to be into Vomitory was a, a big well, surprise, you know? Well, exactly. It was something that crossed over to your territory. Mm-hmm. So, here, yeah, this gets us to the, the essence of the sound. Vomitory, over the years, is one of those bands that has always been sort of craftsman-like songwriting first approach however the basic template is highly original and distinctive and did something no one else was doing at the time certainly which is so i I was mostly a black metal guy but also because i like more minimalist punk rooted sounds i also really liked swedish death metal Mm -hmm. um especially grave as you know yeah Um, and Vomitory had this sort of uh, grave and dismember bulldozer effect, and it had a lot of D-beats, um, but it also had, was about 50-50 with really heavy East Coast U.S. death metal, uh, Florida and New York. Um, and it was sort of, the aesthetics were less like the vintage gore aesthetics of Swedeth and much more like the uh yeah less like vintage horror and much more like modern uh brutal death gore aesthetics Mm -hmm. and the the overall sound was kind of like that too there was more technicality uh there was a lot of a lot of blasting um there were is a concerted focus on making like brutal down tempo or lower mid tempo sections, which you wouldn't have as much in the Swedish stuff back then. So maybe some six eight chug, some some six eight chug parts in Grave or whatever. Um, it uh, it really felt more like I always thought like, oh, I like black metal and old school death metal. Right. Mm-hmm. This vomitory was rooted in the old school Swedish stuff, but it felt like very modern death metal. And modern death metal has been shaped by USDM above all else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think vomitory exists in kind of a weird space where um, clearly this is at its root a Swedish death metal band, but it's the the overall presentation of vomitory is rounded off with so much information from just about everywhere as well as a lot of mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. from the swedish scene that is not traditional swedeth there's a, a surprising streak of like melodic death metal that mm-hmm. that dots a lot of their music there's 
but but it's tempered by more brutal and dissonant stuff because these guys clearly listen to death grind and brutal death metal. It's like you can hear parts that are like kind of like rotten sound occasionally, um, which is yeah, another yeah, yeah. band, an- another Swedish band that kind of owes a lot of its like primordial character to original Swedeth. Um, so, well, the immediate thing that I want to compare it to, um, just because we rotten covered- sound are Finnish. Oh, they're right. Finnish. Oh, my bad. Okay, for some reason I thought they were Swedish. Um, you might have been thinking of Nas. You're like Nazem is Swedish. Yeah, Nazem is Swedish. Um, the real thing that I want to compare to that we've covered on the show though is the Defleshed record that we covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Defleshed are country mates uh, in Sweden. They have about the same amount of history as Vomitory. They form just like two years apart from each other, and they play a very similar style of polished but very aggressive death with a lot of thrash and grind involved also and i would say the experience of listening to this record is actually it's very similar to the experience of listening to grind over matter by that band yeah defleshed is more um consistently focused on blast beats and up tempo mm-hmm. and i think is also we remembered on that on that record there was a lot of thrash yeah, we maybe hadn't been expecting. This record also sounds thrashier than anything else I've heard from Vomitory, but it's a lot less thrashy than the Defleshed. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. You know, sort of uh, high contrast, blast and D beat, straightforward songs oriented towards being uh, just good, really good death metal. Um, the you said something about uh, you had a nice sort of poetic description of this in your um, uh, in your notes. Uh, Listening to this album is like taking a guided tour through a well curated but unpretentious record collection by true death metal maniacs who are entering middle age, wise, composed, but with all the vigor of a pissed off nineteen year old. Yeah, and I I was just reading what my co host wrote, but it's really good. Yeah, because I think I think that one thing that also links this to Defleshed is that, okay, these are guys with just a, a ton of history in this style, a very long career. You know, we're, we're at 30 plus years for each of those bands. But what makes them still relevant is that they still love being death metal. They love playing death metal. They've maintained that fire and enthusiasm for the genre that they had as people that had a big hand in shaping what it ended up being. Um, And that's what makes listening to this just such a fun experience because it's sort of down the middle, but not in a way that, you know, is sanding off the edges. It's just so well-rounded from so many years and so much history that these guys have playing all these different styles of death metal. And that enthusiasm shines through in a big way. And uh, it, it's just, it's nice to have one of these kinds of death metal records that's just kind of affirming. Because I think when we did the Defleshed review, I was talking about, it's like, I like being a metalhead. I think this shit is cool. <laughs> I like all the classic things that these genres are made of, and so do these guys. Yeah, so let's go to a sample. Yeah, so let's go to the second track. Uh, Decrowned is really cool. Um, I'm not sure if I'm projecting a little bit because we were talking about this record on uh, 
Discord recently. Oh, by the way, we've got a Discord, $5 and up, yada yada. We skipped that, but you know the drill. Um, a big influence on this record appears to be Domination by Morbid Angel, which is kind of a controversial record. It's definitely not one of my favorites, but the first half of it has some pretty cool ideas that Morbid Angel didn't really revisit too much later, but it seems like Vomitory is really picked up and run with. Um, there was something especially about the execution of vocal rhythms against the blast beats that really remind me of tracks like, uh, you know, eyes to see ears to hear. Um, but then it, so we're going to start, uh, with a pretty cool morbid angel part, but morbid angel would never drop into just like a totally retarded D beat section, but vomitory are willing to do that. Yes, it's so much fun. And I was like, I, I realized at the end there when the DB part dropped, it's like, I don't know why I was thinking of a DB part. It's it's just, a, it's a Slayer riff. Mm -hmm. It's it's totally a Slayer riff. But everything leading up to that point is pretty much like direct from like mid-era Morbid Angel. Um, like Domination, or you pointed out Covenant. These like single string trem riffs are really fucking good. And it's hard to make single stream death metal trem riffs that are that good anymore because we've used pretty much all the notes at this point. <laughs> yeah. So what is the thing? Yeah. So the first one you were like, that's a really good riff. Cause it's just a very basic fundamental death metal riff. 
Yeah, yeah. It's I, I loved because um, it's almost like a, a like a slowed down version of a deranged riff, uh, mm-hmm. where it's um, you know it's all about that octave bounce there, that string skipping octave bounce, w- oh. which just naturally builds so much tension, because that's like. Uh, that octave bounce is like the main riff on Sarcophago's Inri. You know, that don da don da da don da don da you know, like an er primordial extreme metal riff. Um, but these guys use that sort of motif over and over across this record. Um, and they infuse it with some of that sort of like, I don't know, like a, a vague kind of gothic cathedral energy mm-hmm. that is really like specific to the Swedish bands. I think these guys blend the Swedish and American stuff better than almost anybody, just in terms of yeah. like how cleanly all these things fit together. Yeah. So that kind of like those kinds of riffs, the more Gothic sounding ones, those sound like there's a whole class of riff on covenant, which is a record. I like a lot where that's my favorite really, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah. There are really Swedish sounding melodic riffs there. It's a little bit tricky because the Swedes were really influenced by Morbid Angel. And I don't mean Sweet Death, I mean Black Death. I mean stuff that yeah. sounds like uh, dissection, necrophobic, uh, Sacramentum and Dawn, right? Uh, and we're early at the. This is the thing the stuff that would come before it would have been like the very, like, sentenced in Finland mm-hmm. or like maybe demos by dissection or maybe the first at the gates record. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there is a, there's some sort of sound that is in both morbid angel and Sweden at almost exactly the same time. That is the beginning of this kind of more, uh, ornate Gothic kind of melodic style. And they, they nail that here. And then you were, the song structure here is something like ABC, ABD, right? That there's, there's the first blasting section, which is really like grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sets up a second blasting section where we were both like, oh, yeah, this riff rips, right? Yeah, and, and dude. That, and, and that has that's two sort of whiplashing leads that are stepped into disharmony with each other. Uh, so it is a really cool sort of um, uh, sort of wailing drone sound. And... Uh, you agree that sounds like Marduk, especially like the really, really nasty tracks on the end of Panzer Division, where it gets a little more epic. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as they throw that that big like octave harmony mm-hmm. over it, it's like, oh yeah. And it's like we were talking while I was playing. It's like Marduk is, you know, the first Marduk record is essentially a death metal record, and death metal has always been like a really important part of their sound. It's one of the reasons Panzer Division sounds like it does. Um, so it makes sense that. It's maybe it's less a death or a black metal idea, and more it's, maybe it's just more a Swedish extreme metal yeah, idea. Yeah, grinding Swedish extreme metal. Yeah. Well, we've also talked about how a lot of like say the Swedish black death stuff. It's not really. It's like spiritually black metal, but its its roots are pretty different from the Norwegian stuff. Um, yeah, and although I mean, that's tricky because Marduk sounded more like a Norwegian band, but y- you know, there's. I agree with what you're saying. This is like a quintessentially Swedish, like what goes into a vomitory record is less like, is it death metal and more like, uh, is it Swedish? <laughs> yeah, no, that's accurate. And there's, there's of course, you know, just limitless cross pollination between these ideas. You know, I remember when we did that Terminus prime episode where you, you heard altars of madness for the first time and you pointed out how 
Trey Isaacton in nineteen eighty nine basically just event invents the Swedish melodic black death riff on suffocation mm-hmm. just as like a little like a, a little interim bridge riff and then he just moves on and never revisits it again. <laughs> yeah, like a little throwaway. Right. So I think a lot of those riffs really uh, I think some of those Swedish riffs really were just coming from Morbid Angel. Um, yeah. And it, it definitely it, it makes sense hearing that in the context here. It's like it, it really makes those ideas fit together in a way that I'd never really considered before. Um so s- staying with the Swedish theme, uh let me go to my other sample. Um <laughs> this song is titled Raped, Strangled, Sodomized, Dead, which is, just, which is great. I, I love the, like, hard edge to this stuff, you know? I'm glad that it's not, like, softened with time. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this song sounds radically different from what you might expect, but sticking with the Swedish theme, this is a track that moves more in the melodic direction compared to a lot of the grindier tracks on this. And like, this, is, this is the love song. <laughs> that's true that's true this is a ballad so it's only fair um so this i mean let's just listen to this from the very beginning um i'll say it this track begins with a really cool amount of marth riff So, uh, you agreed immediately that opening riff is just like a one cent from the Golden Hall riff. Yeah, and then once they go to that Tom strut, it's still like an Amon Amarth song. Yeah, and then they get into the main verse riff, which which is different. But yeah, I like that they're not leaving that on the table, and everyone's probably tired of hearing me gush about the first Amon Amarth record, but again, it's such a touchstone for so many things, and it's never really been replicated. Um... I love the weird juxtaposition 
uh, between different things in this band. I love that when they get to the chorus where he screams raped, strangled, sodomized dead, it's over that intro Amon Amarth riff. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I love the juxtaposition of the, the more extreme sort of vicious American death metal attitude, but just applied to this much more melodic and considered European style. Um, which is also something that channels uh, another band that we talked about in the Defleshed review, which is The Crown, um, which is another phenomenal band. Is this a whole style unto itself, like Defleshed, Vomitory, The Crown, uh, sort of like thrashy but still extreme Swedish death metal that pulls from America? It's, yeah, that's interesting. I would have not put... The Vomitory, Defleshed thing makes sense to me instantly. The mm-hmm. Crown... The Crown is so much more focused on the rock and roll and Melodeath aspects of it that I feel like it's a bit different. I think it's just, um, like, I, I get a similar energy but, from the two, because these are all party records, you yeah. know? Well, well, here's another thing. It might be that one thing is that this record sounds more like Defleshed and The Crown. Um, there's a lot of more melodic riffs on it, and the production is pulled back. So it emphasizes a thrashiness, which is, of course, also, you know, Mellow Death is thrash metal, right? Mm-hmm. It, it emphasizes that side of the music more. Um, if there's one note of criticism I'd have about this album, it's that, like, one thing that, to me, would distinguish Vomitory from a band like The Crown is, uh, well, you know, A, brute physicality, B, the production, uh, a guitar tone that that goes with that. And this record's guitar tone is a little bit more... It's good, but it's just, like, good. And it sounds much more like a modern thrash production. um, Yeah. I I actually really like the production here just because it's like, yes, this is a party record. This is big metal blade. I'm, I'm cool with it, you know? Yeah, but the older stuff used to deliver... It used to deliver as party music, but very uncomfortable party music. Yeah, um, that's fair. It, it used to be more... This is less brutal than their old stuff. I think I can say that definitely. Mm. Um, and compare that to something like... The one I listened to a lot back in the day was Carnage Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I tried to like figure out what the difference in tone was. And I would have thought oh, surely it was, like, heavier in a kind of, like, you know, uh, suffocation-y way, or in the way that, like, uh, um, or or in sort of, like, really modern brick-walled tone or something mm-hmm. like that. And I went back and listened to it. It actually sounds like the most crushing D-beat. Mm, okay. Um, it has a guitar tone that has some space in it. So there's, like, it may be, like, that there's actual bulldozer bass going on, but in, in, in the riffs, right, which it could be the combination of guitars and bass, there's a pretty clear tonal center, and then a bunch of, like, overdriven fuzz noise bellying out from it. Mm. Um, and that sounds a lot more like, you know, Crude SS or something than a death metal band. Uh, or Kuro from Japan, or um, also just like Discharge, except down-tuned. Um, 
and and that's an interesting thing. So you think some plain down tuned blasting death metal with a tone like that is just gonna sound like disgusting. Um, and this record doesn't quite have that uh, disgustingness to it. However, the songwriting that I really liked about that old stuff, that sort of D-beat rooted, uh, most extreme side of Sweet Oath songwriting, um, it, that's still here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, that's what my sample's focused on. So, you know, the death metal guy has highlighted some really cool sort of morbid angel influence, some blast beats, some um, elaborate harmonized black death guitar. Uh, now let's listen to uh, Dead Man Stalking.
I gotta say, I definitely didn't realize I had sampled a full three minutes of that. <laughs> well, it all flows so well. Exactly. It's it's all really good. So let's talk about, we got pretty far into the development of it, which was interesting, but at the, the very beginning, right, you get, you know, yeah yeah <laughs> that is um that's a wonderful crushing swedish death metal riff um and there's something interesting going on there so first of all you could we always talk on the show about what makes a good db riff right mm-hmm. you can hear it there right oh well, i was gonna it's, say it's like it's a great sweet death riff it's also just a complete Completely like on its face, plausible dark crust riff to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe exactly. those maybe those are the same thing. Maybe the ideal Swedish Ex- death metal riff is just a crust riff. Yes, the ideal Swedish death metal riff sounds a lot more like its hardcore influences than the bands that are. This is something we've talked about. Like, you know, neither of us is super. I mean, Vomitory will kill us for saying this, but neither of us are super into Entombed, right? Yeah. Or, like, we both like the first Dismember record for being, like, a better version of that, but the things that make it stand out, really, are the more melodic riffs and things like that. And, mm-hmm. Or the, the, the big flair and drama. Right? Or at least that's um, that's what people have come to understand yeah. Sweet Death as. Right, and so, you know, f- f- those bands have a way of doing the D-beat riffs where there's a lot of thrashy jugga-jugga under them, and it's so fast and technical for the time that it can kind of obscure the shape of the riff. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, this is a big, blocky power chord riff in the style of maybe, you could trace it back to Nihilist, but also m- more immediately to Grave. And there's something weird going on. Grave actually, on the fir- on Into the Grave at least, did not use D-beats. Um, yeah. They used uh, Slayer beats, just one, two Slayer beats, which, you know, also in hardcore and used to write a very similar, you know, upbeat, syncopated style of riff, right? All over the Misfits, the later Misfits stuff. Um, but, like, Grave didn't use D-beats, but sounded closer to an authentic crust band than any of the other major fully formed Swedish death metal stuff. Um, and, you know, the grave stuff has the same tendency to just sit on the most crushing intervals possible. Uh, you know, the move up to a fifth and then the drop down a tritone, Mm -hmm. I think it is, is a really grave thing. Uh, um, the, the sort of emphasis on, um, you go to in the classic you know we call it thrash metal minor scale or whatever yeah you go to the yeah. nastiest parts like the um the major third which is really just the sort of the half step slide above the minor third right you 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 sit on that and on the fifth in ways that really grind against the other intervals um and uh um there's no fancy rhythmic shit going on there. They just it just moves through like full measures or half measures, uh, and um, and but it has a very cool melodic shape to it as it develops. It's very it's a good example of fewer notes, clearer form. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking while it was playing. There's like certain records from like the Razorback catalog that I'm gonna recommend to you now because if you're if you're into that those sort of like odd gothic d-beat riffs in a death metal mm-hmm. context there's there's some records out there that are really good that would appeal directly to that sensibility 
Okay, well, so what is... So, so yeah, so here here's another thing about that. The, um... Uh... What was I going to say? The uh, other things you could link it to would be stuff that actually were contemporaries of Vomitory. Mm -hmm. So, um... The very earliest Sweet Death revival bands, right? Vomitory was not a revival band. They started in 92, which is a little... Or they got their first demo out in 92, which was mm -hmm. a little bit late by those standards, right? But we don't have a full length till 96. I assume they were, like, literal young teenagers until then. Uh, yeah. Um, so they start a little bit later, but they're, um, they're basically a classic canonical band that's around for the revival. But they're contemporary with, say, like, um, uh, Death Breath, right? Which is yep. the better version of Entombed and uh, <laughs> Bastard Priest. Um, yeah. And those bands also had similar kind of... They refocused on the sort of elementary stuff of the riff. Also, the answering riff, that more thrashing crisp... Great. And, and then you really noticed how good a lot of the development stuff after that was, where they really slowed it down, and you linked it to Slayer. Yeah, there's a... Listening to this again, Slayer's really dotted all over this record. I mean, as it is for every extreme metal band, in a sense, but... Yeah, sure, sure. Specifically, we want to pare that down to, like, South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss seem to be really big touchstones mm -hmm, here. Because mm -hmm. um, Vomitory generally doesn't go like super fast like rain and blood fast they it seems like the band is mostly interested in operating around these like mid fast tempos and there's a lot of that on those two records which are notoriously the ones where slayer by their standards slows it way down um but yeah something about the way uh some of the punkiest riffs on this are composed remind me of sort of the the hardcore underpinnings of slayer that would come out in certain riff shapes. Especially on those post-Rain and Blood records. Right? Yeah, really, yeah. I think brought that out. Um, and, you know, so those are, uh, you know, hardcore, modern hardcore as we know it, like metalcore or beatdown, was in its infancy then. So really the Slayer breakdowns on South of Heaven or on Seasons in the Abyss are actually some of the very first examples of that. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when we when we dig into like the sequencing of metal versus hardcore and things are things are located at very different years from where we expect them. Yeah. You know, honestly, even that answering riff on the D beat section that's like a slayer riff too. Yeah. Yeah, there's this there's slayer all over this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just slew all over the place. <laughs> Is that like gooning? I hope it's not like gooning. <laughs> so, um, last, um, I've got another, tr I've got, uh, last sample is, um, equally focused on the more dissonant D-beat aspects of the record. However, this one is a little bit fancier in terms of how the riffing is implemented and, there's um again there's a, a kind of development that goes on but more towards something that's almost do like
So as we were finishing that sample, I told the dev member, yeah, let's run it a little longer, get more of that doom. And then I remembered why I stopped it there, because it just goes back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or or the, the, you know, the double, it goes back into the double pedal stuff. Um, it's not a motorhead beat, it's downbeat double pedal. Um, it goes back into that, and it just incorporates the sort of uh, grotesque gothic harmony from the doom riff. Um, yeah. Which is exactly like a thing that happened on your sample, right? You were like, mm-hmm. at the end of Rape, Strangled, Sodomized, Dead, I think, or at the end of one of those samples, you were like, oh, let's run it a little longer. And then you're like, oh, no, that's why I cut it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, but no, that's also, what's interesting is once they overlay that sort of like gothic doom thing over the top of it, you end up with the combined voicings that are like morbid angel chord voicings. Like there's a, there's like a specific sort of weird chord that Asyctote likes to use in a lot of his riff constructions. And they're like landing on a bunch of them right there. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, I, I, I really like what we've been seeing lately coming out of like, um, metal blade and some of the bigger labels where they're, you know, they're going to bat for death metal that is accessible and is listenable, but is still fundamentally death metal and extreme and can't be mistaken for, for any other kind of music. Um, like the, the deflushed was a great example. This is a great example, different style, but a similar ethos, the 200 stab wounds record that, uh, well, actually, no, they didn't put out the first one, but they're putting out follow-up records now that they're on metal blade. I think it's, it's really good to see. Um, I think that, you know, insofar as anything like mainstream death metal can exist, I like that more and more of it sounding like this. I hope Satan has a nice colon, because that's where you're going to be living. Oh, yeah. 
nasty cadaver junkie can't touch us as long as we're not stupid enough to leave this building. <laughs>